your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Thomas Welch. And I'm Josh Hyman. We got a fun episode for you today, but it's not going to start off so fun. St. Louis Blues added three members of their team uh, to COVID protocol. Braden Shen, Colton Pareko, and David Perron. So we're going to talk about that. Also, uh, what implications that could potentially have for this team uh, as they move forward into their game against familiar face in Vince Dunn and the Seattle Kraken. So that's kind of what we're looking at here. Uh, but before we get into all of that, I want to thank you guys once again for making us your first listen of the day, uh, whether it's early morning or late at night, on your way to work, on your way to school with your morning cup of coffee, whatever it might be. Uh, we thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day here at Locked on Blues. So without further ado, Josh, Braden Shen, felt like he was out of the lineup for so long, comes back, scores immediately with a Right off the bar, that ping sound is so beautiful and crisp, as we all know. And now he's back on the bench and going to be missing time. Colton Pareko, obviously, a lot of speculation, a lot of talk around him this season. He's kind of been up. He's kind of been down at times. But he's going to be on the bench as well. And David Perron, who's not having the season that he had last year, but still obviously a very talented player on this team and a very important core piece for this team. As we all know, Tarasenko and Scott Perunovic are also on COVID protocol. So all those things combined, Josh, what are you looking at here? How do you feel about this team moving into uh, their game against the expansion team, Seattle Kraken? Look, this this all just feels really familiar. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of funny in a cruel way that we spent so many episodes talking about you know, it felt like we started off so many episodes over the last month with the exact same way we started this one. Listed off like three, four, five players that were going to be out of the lineup with COVID. Um, and we kept saying, you know, oh, this will be the worst of it. You know, the Blues are getting through this adversity and then they'll get fully healthy and they'll run off into the sunset and win every game and blah, 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 blah. And they got fully healthy for one whole game, their second time of the season being fully healthy. Literally, which still astounds me that they've had a fully healthy lineup only two times and lost both of those games. Um, and then not even 36 hours after the Blues became fully healthy, the dominoes started to fall again. Um, and here we are now, you know, a, a week into the latest landslide of COVID cases. And the list keeps piling up of valuable players uh, joining the COVID protocols for the St. Louis Blues. It started off with Tarasenko and Perunovic, you know, um, one guy that's been obvious, his value has been very obvious in Tarasenko and another guy whose value has been sort of sneaky under the radar in Scott Perunovic um, comes in to, to add to it. Uh, Braden Shen, a guy who has missed a lot of time. And then Colton Pareko, a guy who was one of two players that had remained fully healthy all season. Those two go down with COVID. And now David Perron, a guy that, you know, provides immense value to this team, even though he's not producing as much as last season, still one of the most valuable forwards battled back, you know, from a, probable concussion i don't think it was ever really uh officially diagnosed as that but you know he was out for a long time came back didn't really miss a step for the most part and then sure enough the covid bug gets him too um and feels like we're almost right back where we were a few weeks ago obviously not as dire with all the injuries and stuff but same mentality applies next man up you know james neal coming off the taxi squad a guy that 
kind of uh, flooded out a little bit a few weeks ago, just not not by his own fault, but more by the fault of Logan Brown and, and company, uh, just kind of taking his spot. So a guy that I think we all expect to have a bit of a bigger impact, you know, based on his performance at the beginning of the season than he ended up having. So chance for him to get back into the lineup. And then we were talking about it before the podcast. Um, Colton Pareko, definitely an underwhelming season from him th- thus far kind of we're expecting him to establish himself as a true number one defenseman hasn't done that just yet hasn't been bad by any stretch of the imagination but hasn't been quite as good as we expected so similar to what we were talking about with Tarasenko it's going to be interesting to see how the Blues respond to having a guy like Colton Pareko come out of the lineup and maybe we're going to be proved wrong and he's a lot more instrumental to this decor than we thought and it was just sort of doing it under the radar and they're going to struggle or Maybe this team will prove that he's not so instrumental and they can they can still thrive without him. I, I still think it's going to be a challenge. You know, he's one of the best defensemen on this team. Maybe not the number one defenseman we expected, but still really, really skilled. Um, fortunately, they have a bit of a struggling team in Seattle. Uh, opportunity to still, you know, have success despite all of the COVID absences. But it's going to be a challenge. We're going to see if they can fill the net against Philip Grubauer, who, uh, if you don't, if you don't remember, swept the Blues last year in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but that being said, you were talking about next man up mentality. Uh, the Blues have some next men call-ups with Nathan Walker and Kale Rosen, uh, some familiar guys. Been in and out of the lineups, been up and down from the AHL, but they should slot in perfectly. little Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi action from Nathan Walker, who in his last stint with the Blues had a hat trick. He's going to be on the fourth line. Uh, so I'm going to run through the practice lines real fast that Luke Horak uh, tweeted out today. So we have Barbashev, Riley Buchnevich on the first line, Brandon Saad, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo on the second line, uh, Logan Brown, Oscar Sundquist, James Neal on the third line, and then Nathan Walker, Tyler Bozak, and Clem Costin on the fourth line. For the defensive pairings, Mikula and Falk, Scandella and Krug, Rosen Bertuzzo. So Wallman's going to be, Wallman's going to be odd man out. And then Bennington and Huso in that they got Bennington first. Um, so as you were talking about with Colton Pareko, we're talking about guys slotting in and um, stepping up, right? And Rosen and Walker. But I feel like one of the guys that stepped up this season uh, is Mikula. And that kind of begs the question, right? Because Mikula's, Mikula's moved all the way up to the first peer, pairing. And at times it looks like he's ha- almost had better games than Colton Pareko. And uh, we were talking about before the podcast too, really the last time we saw pure dominance from Colton Pareko feels like the Stanley Cup run and he was paired with a, a guy that by all accounts should definitely make the Hall of Fame uh, in Jay Bomeister. So with that being said, I think the question should come back around to is Colton Pareko a number one defenseman or is he a very valuable complementary defenseman for the St. Louis Blues team? Yeah, it's tough because the thing about defensemen is, you know, it's not all, it's not nearly as flashy as the forward position unless your name is Kale McCarr. Um, a lot of the times, you know, if you're a really, really good defenseman, unless you're getting that media coverage or unless, you know, you're really getting focused on, your, your game is going to slide under the radar because the better you play as a defensive defenseman, the less you're going to stick out. You know, the times when you notice defensemen, unless they're doing things, like I said, like Kale McCarr does, is when they're turning the puck over or blowing a coverage. You know, every once in a while, sure, they'll make a big play, big hit, you know, big pass, break up, whatever. But the less you notice the defenseman, the better. Um, and while I definitely think that Colton Pareko has been underwhelming to an extent, I think Blues fans, you know, myself included, have just got sort of gotten complacent with him. 
he was so dominant and so, so exciting during that cup run um, that I feel like the expectations on him were so high that he hasn't been poor by any means. Like he, he hasn't had like, you know, a huge drop off. He hasn't been a liability for the blues. No, he hasn't been that number one Alex Petrangelo level defenseman that maybe some of us were hoping, but I don't think he's been bad by any means for the St. Louis blues. And the, the contract isn't an issue or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm under, I'm underwhelmed with Colton Briggle, but I'm not, I'm not upset with how he's been playing. Not I think worried. He's, I think no, not fair. worried, not worried. I think, you know, compared to last season when he was dealing with those back issues and we really were getting worried about Colton Briggle, this season has been completely different. You know, it, it hasn't been nearly as much of a struggle for him. And we, maybe we haven't seen him bounce back quite as much as we expected um, and take like a big step, you know, that next step to be a number one defenseman. But that doesn't mean, he's a bad player to have in your team. And unfortunately I think the blues are really going to miss him. Um, just not just based on missing him, you know, as a player, but the defense is looking a little rough. That third pairing, especially, especially kind of scares me. Rosen was very, very poor in his showing with the St. Louis blues this year. Um, and paired up with a guy like Bortuzzo, uh, it, that definitely scares me a little bit. You know, both of those guys have the potential to, like I said, be a liability when they're playing their worst. Uh, so I'm, I'm, Anxious to see how the the team can sort of come up with a scheme to plan around Colton Pareko's absence because as much as, like I said, Pareko may have been underwhelming this year, he's reliable, and you know what you're getting with him. Um, and that presence is definitely going to be missed in the lineup for the St. Louis Blues. One thing that's never underwhelming for me uh, is Built Bar because it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolution. So if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the only protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it all. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Now, most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Bilt Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. When we come back, Josh is very adamant about talking about a potential statement game for the St. Louis Blues. So that's what we're going to do. Don't go anywhere. All right, Josh, obviously it's been a little bit since we've seen Blues action, but the last time we did see them in action, it was a 2-1 to one victory in historic fashion. That was the first time the franchise has ever um, won a game that they were losing in the final minute in regulation. So in your opinion, when we talk about history and how much history the 2019 team made um, through its Stanley Cup run, in, in your opinion, is this a statement game for the St. Louis Blues? Is this... 
Is this a game that we're going to look back on when this team is hoisting the Stanley Cup once again and be like, that was the turning point. That's where they realize they're capable of doing anything if they put their mind to it. And that's where it all started. Yeah, um, I think it goes back to something that I talked about a lot um, when the Blues were dealing with their injury and COVID adversity uh, and playing with 17 guys in their lineup and Charlie Lindgren as their starter. Once you've kind of gone through something once as a team, you have a reference point. You know, once you deal with a with some adversity, whether it be, you know, playing with 17 guys, uh, having an emergency backup goalie, or in this case, kind of not necessarily dealing with adversity, but winning in absolutely historic fashion, you no longer just have to speculate, oh, maybe we can do this. It's You have definitive reference to, hey, remember that Dallas game? You know, anytime for the rest of the season, the Blues are losing. Doesn't matter how late it is in the game. They're one or two goals away from being in it. They look, hey, remember that time in Dallas when there was 45 seconds left on the clock? We were down 1-0 and 1 in regulation. You know, obviously, maybe it's not going to be verbatim that, but in every single one of the back of their minds, every single player on the team, they have that game as a reference point. And it's something that will fuel them, in my opinion. I think you can look at that game and say, if we can do that, we can get a win, not just a win, but a win in regulation, given those circumstances, playing against a guy like Braden Holpe, who we talked about this just wasn't going to give up a goal at all that night. You know, you know what it's like running into a goalie like that. We've seen the Blues really struggle in those games in the past where they get really dejected and frustrated because they can't be a hot goaltender. And against the Stars, than, too. Right, especially against Stars. Um, and we, we saw them not only battle through that adversity, but the second that they got past them, the second that uh, they, they finally figured out the enigma that was getting past Braden Holtby, the very next shot they took went in as well. So you could just see the change in the tide uh, once they got that first goal. And it was astounding to watch. And I talked about it a ton in my solo episode. Um, but I feel like it was important that we both talked about it because I think this is going to be a game that we look back on uh, for the rest of the season and say, hey, remember when the Blues did that? Yeah, we kind of saw that same spirit and that same fight in them. And insert future game here. I think it's going to be a huge, huge, huge reference point. Anytime Craig Berube needs to give a, a pep talk or a, he calls a timeout with a minute left, that is the game he's going to bring up. That is the the moment he's going to reference. He's going to be like, boys, we've done this before. Look at Dallas. Let's just go out there. Do that again. Looking at the standings, I think the last time I checked, the Dallas Stars were sixth in the division. So it's obviously not where they want to be in and not a very impressive win on paper for the St. Louis Blues. When you re- but when you really break it down, I think the Stars team and the way that they play uh, is very similar to the Blues and physicality and defense and grinding it out and all of those things. Jamie Ben loves to get under people's skin, as we saw. So especially, I-, I think it's a team. Yeah, especially <laughs> mine too. My God, but I think um, I think it's a team at the end of the day that if they do make the playoffs, they're dangerous, right? Because they're built for longevity and they're built not to go out and score. 18 goals one night and then one the next, right? Like they're consistent uh, in every area of the ice. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons that has made them so successful in years past. But for the Blues, I think you hit it bang on pretty much. And I think when you go around the NHL and you think of the hot streaks and the players that are uh, some of the best in the world, I think everyone can agree that confidence is king when it comes to any sports. But really, NHL, I think that reigns true too. And so for the Blues, um, like you said, to have on their resume a win where they were down in the final minute and came all the way back and scored two goals to go ahead with essentially no time left. 
think is huge for confidence, but huge for young guys' confidence too, right? Because it's easy to be a young guy out there and be like, oh, like this year sucks. Like maybe we're not going to win this playoffs, but like I've got plenty of years under my belt to still get a Stanley Cup. These old guys, they, they're not going to have a problem getting fired up because they know that they're the top, the clock is ticking on them, right? But with these young guys, they're they're just I feel like sometimes they're a little bit more laid back and be like, well, we'll get them next year, like we'll see what happens. But I think one of the biggest examples of that in that game uh, and that inspired confidence was Jordan Cairo. And by all accounts, Jordan Cairo always plays hockey with inspired confidence, right? But you could tell when he skated down there, right? And I forget who it was, but someone slashed his stick and broke it so he couldn't take a shot in the slot. You could tell that he was mad because he felt like he was going to score that goal. Obviously, the Blues scored shortly after anyways. But the second that puck dropped for the next faceoff and the Blues were on the power play, Gone. and he had that neutral zone entry, dude, he skated Gone. in there through like three guys that weren't even close to him, but like as smooth as you ask, right? And then cuts it in the zone and sets it up. And I was like, dude, the way that he just skated in there, you could tell that like, He's like, I'm getting this next one. And not man 100%. on a mission. Exactly. Man on a mission. That's a perfect way to describe it. And lo and behold, banks it off some dude's shin pad and it goes right in. It's not the prettiest goal, but you could see in his eyes that like he wanted that goal and he's going to go out and get it. Uh, and that's exactly what he did. And the Blues came in with the victory. Especially the end of the game there. The Blues just imposed their will on the Dallas Stars. It, it seemed like about with 10 minutes left, something clicked where they were like, I think we're going to win this game. And you could tell. <laughs> legs started moving a little bit faster. It took a while, but chances started coming a little bit more, and you could kind of feel something brewing. Um, and any time you're a, te- you know, a team like that, a game like that, when you've really been down and out for at what at that point was 50 minutes of game time, the Blues admittedly were a little sloppy, a little slow, but Braden Holtby was they just taking it. Yeah. Yeah, Brent Holpe was taking everything away. It would be so easy to get dejected at that point. You know, 10 minutes left in a one-goal game, and you felt like you've given it your all, and you have two choices. You can either kick it into a gear that you didn't think existed, or you can sit back and say, hey, we'll get the next one, you know? And all of a sudden, that 10-minute mark of that third period rolls around, and we saw, you know, a little bit of extra juice going to every one of those players' legs. Um, and, you know, you know, whether it was one shift or one conversation Craig Berube had, I don't know. Um, but all of a sudden we just saw a shift and, and we saw, like I said, the blues impose their will on the Dallas stars. And that's what good hockey teams can do. They, they will themselves back into games. They will themselves into wins. Like you said, at the beginning of this segment, that is a historic win for the St. Louis blues. I'd be hard pressed to find many games in NHL history where a team has done what the blues did in that game against Dallas. So it it, was like 10. Yeah, it, it it's like all that. in all. Like if you if you watch the first fifty or forty nine minutes of that game, and someone and then turned it off, someone walked up to you and was like, "Oh yeah, Blues, good regulation win." You look at them like they had three heads. You're like, what the heck are you talking about? How how in the world did the Blues get a regulation win? In the, given what they how they played, much less in the last minute of the game. Uh, I one of my favorite games, not just of the season, but of all time for the St. Louis Blues. Maybe the Blues versus the Kraken won't be a playoff matchup. Um, but if you think that Dallas versus the Blues might be a playoff matchup and you want to prepare your beard for that, mm. you got to check out our friends over at Primal Origin Oils. Because if you got beard, you need to get Primal. That's right. If you got a beard, you need to get Primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, 
It needs to get primal. Maybe you're that guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and leave your beard feeling fantastic, healthy, and groomed. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. Primal Origin Oils makes balms, oils, and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel in beard products available. All products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the USA. The combo kits make a great holiday gift, and if you're shopping for yourself, you'll be happy that you did. We know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and the feel in beard to the other products you've used. We promise you will see and feel the difference, so remember to use the code LOCKED ON and get 20% off at primaloriginoils.com. That's code LOCKED ON at checkout for 20% off. We'll be right back with our preview for the Blues game versus the Seattle Kraken. All right, Josh, so a familiar face coming back in town in Vince Dunn. Uh, looks like he'll be on the third pairing for the Seattle Kraken. Unfortunately, Jaden Schwartz uh, will not be in the lineup for the Kraken. I think he has a hand injury. That's going to be putting him out a month, if uh, I remember seeing uh. that correctly. They're going to be without Tanev, too, who's been a big part of their team. A lot of scoring there. I think he tore his ACL, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So all those things taken into consideration – the way that the Blues have been playing, the way that the Kraken have been playing, uh, the goaltender that the Kraken have in net. What's your takeaway for the success? What do the Blues need to do to be successful against the Kraken? Um, and then we'll go locked on player of the game a little bit after that. Right off the bat, I think uh, two two words that we love to throw out in this podcast. It's been a little bit since we have a uh, trap game comes to mind there. Um, Seattle is a team that has been pretty much the polar opposite of what Vegas was when they joined the league. Seattle has been what everyone expected Vegas to be when they came into the league, an expansion team that struggles off the bat, you know, um, at that time it looked like you were team in the NHL. Um, that being said, they are an NHL hockey team. They are made up of NHL caliber hockey players. Um, and you can't go into any game against an NHL team underprepared and underestimating your opponent. Um, I think the Blues are, were guilty of that earlier in the season. That Arizona loss comes to mind, you know, initially right off the bat. Uh, and I know a little, little bit since they had a game of this caliber where they're really just outmatching, or they are outmatching their opponent, I should say. Um, especially, you know, given the, the momentum that they should be riding after the Stars game, part of me is worried that they're going to this Seattle game with a little, little too, too little intensity, I should say. Um, but that being said, I don't think that we're at a point in the season where you can look at any team um, with the, with the mentality of, oh, it's going to be an easy win. And I think the Blues know that, especially given the fact that they've fallen victim to a couple trap games earlier this season. Um, so I think it's going to be a, a strong performance out of the whole team. You know, we always throw around the words playing Blues hockey, and it sounds cliche, but it's true. Um, anytime that you're playing a lesser opponent, it's really a, a – opportunity to what I talked about with the Dallas game, impose your will on the opponent. And hopefully the blues can impose their will for, for a full 60 minutes rather than just the last 45 seconds of the game. I, I just wanted to go back in time a little bit here because the Kraken have had kind of uh, kind of a struggle bound season, right? And 
if I remember right, um, the Blues <laughs> left Vladimir Tarasenko unprotected in the expansion. I forgot draft, about so that. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. But can you imagine if the Kraken ended up taking Vladimir Tarasenko uh, and he was just lighting it up there? Or Carey Price, Shea Weber was also left unprotected. Uh, some of the names here are just absurd and in hindsight. So obviously, like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I think <laughs> I'm I'm not sure there's any way the Kraken could have gone about their draft more poorly, you know. <laughs> and because like that's and that's rough to say, but like you you had a ton of players that were available that were lights out, and I think I think they really missed the mark with. A lot of things, but especially there. I mean, you ended up signing Philip Grubauer instead of getting Carey Price, which is, I mean, that's fine. Grub, Grubauer was a, a Vesna candidate, but I think I'm not in the minority on social media that was like Grubauer is a product of the the probably top three defense in the NHL that was the Colorado Avalanche and Carey Price. Uh, as much as as much as you love the Habs and the run that they had in the Stanley Cup. He does not have the same wall in front of him uh, that Grubauer did. So, and obviously Carey Price has been out a lot of the season, but that we didn't really—I don't think we knew that at the time. But that being said, I think a reason that Vegas had so much success was because they built around Mark Andre Fleury, and he was the face of that franchise moving to Vegas. And I honestly, I think that could be a reason that their fan base is so rabid now is because he did such a great job with that. I think you could have done the same thing with Carey Price. I said it then, and I'm saying it now, and I think that is probably the one uh, that their front office is continually kicking themselves over. But that Vladdy one looks bad too, especially with the way that he's been playing this season. This, this third segment has just turned into a, a roast of the Seattle Kraken. I'm sorry, dude. The game preview, right? no, but I mean, I feel like it, def- it definitely needs to be said. Like, I feel like the Kraken went into the expansion draft kind of with the Vegas Golden Knights uh, draft, like, uh, you know, playing in the background, trying to recreate it. But it's From like what the- I understand, they were, they were very keen on analytics too, which I don't know. I don't know what the analytics look like for Carey Price, but they have to be good. So I don't know why. It's like I still the, don't know um, how you pass them up. It's like the um, mom. Can we get? Can we get uh, the Vegas Golden Knights expansion draft? No, we have the Vegas Golden Knights expansion draft at home. And it's just the and it and it's Kraken. what the Kraken did. Yeah, it feels like they kind of just missed that. Yeah, analytics are great. Getting guys with chips on their shoulders is great, but when you don't draft with a consistent identity it can lead to a disjointed team. And I feel like that's what we've seen out of the Seattle Kraken. Like, they've they shown flashes. Any, like, any trades either, really. And I think that was why... I think teams were so, so well teams were so scared. They took them out to the back of the shed. Right. Teams <laughs> were like so scared after what happened years. with Vegas right. that, that everybody was so... I mean, unless Seattle just wasn't calling. I don't know. It's one of those It's one of those questions we'll never... Probably never get the answer to. I guess to. we'll never know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look, that being said, all, you're describing all the elements to a perfect draft game, a team that probably for different reasons than Vegas has a chip on their shoulder because if you get drafted to Seattle, you probably have that mindset of, oh, man, my team didn't want me, but I saw what Vegas did. I'm going to go out and do the same thing. And then you suck. <laughs> like I really feel bad for Tanev because yeah. like, just uh, besides the fact that his – player picture for the league for the last couple of years has been hilarious yeah it's just i feel like the guy has a great sense of humor uh and you have to root for him right he's got great hair he goes out there 
seems like he's a fantastic teammate, but he also just has some burners. And he was, mm. I, I feel like he was tearing it up for the crack and was one of their uh, highest point getters before he went down. So that sucks to see, especially with a guy that was given that opportunity, like you said, uh, whose team didn't want him, quote, or unquote. But um, yeah, just go out there and kind of be uh, that guy or the guy for a new team uh, and to have your season cut short like that. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think we are getting close to the end of this episode. So real quick, Tommy, I will ask you your pick for Locked On Player of the Game and give me a brief description why. And then I'll do the same. I honestly have no no idea who I'm going to go with. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about it while you're talking. That's why I asked you first. That's fair. I think as many problems as there are with the Seattle Kraken, um, I think the biggest problem for them consistently this year besides the fact that they for whatever reason can't seem to ever score first so uh if you're if you're running money lines on bet online or any bets like that uh put some money down on the blues to score first because i think kraken have been it can just consistently um let in the first goal of the game throughout the course of the season but i think a large part of that is due to their defense um for whatever reason, I like some of the players back there. They got Alexiak and Larson, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, those are those are some pretty guys, some pretty good guys uh, with solid resumes in the NHL. But for whatever reason, the way, the way that it's structured, they just haven't had success this year. Um, and so for that reason, I'm not going to take a guy on the defensive side of the Blues because I think our offense realistically should be in the offensive zone for the majority of the game and possessing the puck with the way that this Blues team cycles relentlessly. So for that reason, I'm going to pick uh, a guy that is very careful with the puck and is very good at possessing the puck and is very good at setting up his teammates. And that player is Robert Thomas. I feel like with the names that we have out of the lineup right now, I feel like I say this every time someone hits the COVID list, but somebody's going to have to step up, right? And I feel like it's too easy to pick Jordan Kyra every game because he's on fire. But I think the best compliment Shoot, to Jordan Kyra's game, <laughs> the best compliment to Jordan Kyra's game, and the reason that they keep sticking both of them together is Robert Thomas and the way that he skates and the way that he's find, that he finds guys uh, with eyes in the back of his head. So that's why I'm taking Robert Thomas for locked on player of the game. I like that. I think that's a pretty solid choice. Um, and honestly, if I were to go with a forward, I think he would probably be my pick too. But that being said, I think. Um, I'm going to go with a, a defenseman for the St. Louis Blues because of a lot of the things that you said where the forwards are going to have an easy time this game cycling the puck and staying in their zone, hopefully. Um, but that being said, if I had to predict one area where the Blues might struggle this game, I think they might unfortunately give up a couple odd man rushes uh, just with that cycle game, you know, maybe getting a little bit comfortable in your zone. And with the speed that Seattle has, that's sort of the one aspect where I think they can they really excel is they got some speedy guys on their team. Uh, there has been one player that has been absolutely <laughs> astounding uh, at breaking up odd man rushes this year, and it goes beyond just that. It's not because I think he's going to break up one or two two-on-ones in this game. Um, with the absence of Colton Pareko, sort of who I think really tied the defensive core together and provided it with an identity, um, a guy that has been you know quietly, maybe not so quietly if you've been listening to our podcast, the closest thing to a number one defenseman we've had in the last two seasons um and it's had a really really strong year this year as well i'm gonna go with justin falk as my pick for locked on player of the game because i think the offense is gonna have an easier time than usual um especially with their cycle game i think it's gonna cause fits for seattle trying to keep that um 
you know, keep that cycle from going on. But that being said, when you get that, when you get a little complacent, when you're cycling the puck super well, it's easy to sort of lay off and, and, you know, maybe get, have your defense get challenged a little bit more than they need to be. And especially with the absence of Colton Pareko. Um, and like I said, that third pairing being a little testy, I wouldn't be surprised to see Justin Falk have a pretty hefty, uh, playtime at the end of the game you know up near 30 minutes maybe just with you know how much they're probably going to lead on him uh and i'm looking forward to watching him you know stand tall to the task and improve why he has been probably consistently the best defenseman on the team this season and you know provide us all with a reminder of that and hey maybe he'll even get going on the offensive end too a little bit because we know he can provide there as well so my pick for lockdown player of the game is justin falk i like that a lot actually justin falk i feel like every time we bring him up i'm like I feel like people are sleeping on him, but we also talk about him. I feel like a lot or like at least um, more than I feel like uh, we, we talk about him on social media, but he definitely deserves, I think in my opinion, if you had to pick a number one defenseman for the St. Louis blues right now, it'd be Justin Falk over Colton Pareko, but that's a conversation for another day. But yes, sir. Um, my, my final take for this game before uh, we segue into the, the farewell Um if the Blues go down by more than one goal, I would not be surprised in the slightest to see Bennington get his wires crossed and go after Grubauer. So <laughs> whether you think whether you oh, think no. the Blues are going to win this game by substantial score or you think some the fireworks. Blues are going to lose, yeah, there's going to be some fireworks. So it's definitely some must-see hockey. Um, I didn't even think about but that. I, oh, I, I, dude, I, <laughs> with the whole social media posts and everything, I feel like Bennington could potentially be a ticking time bomb uh and the clock running out on him. for years but the clock's running out on this podcast too so thank you guys so much for listening to the locked on blues podcast make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're currently listening to you can subscribe to us on youtube as well and hit that notification bell that way you never miss an episode follow us on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok at locked on blues follow me on twitter at 12 15 follow josh on twitter at josh hyman nhl But like I said, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.